It is time for my favorite kind of Miami sports pod, and that is what we like to call the hodgepodge version. Will Manso, Clay Ferro, Dookie Lang. We've got a little bit of everything to discuss on the pod entering this week because we had a little bit of everything this weekend and this week in South Florida sports. And Clay and Dookie, we had obviously the debut of Inter-Miami CF playing that game out in Los Angeles. And it was fun to see it. We could certainly talk about the impact of finally after almost, you know, over six years, not really almost seven, but certainly over six years. February 5th, 2014 was the day that Don Garber and David Beckham uh, stood in front in downtown Miami and held hands and said a, a team will be coming to Miami at some point. So for six years later, they finally did have that team come to, I should say, South Florida now because obviously they're playing in Fort Lauderdale. But they had their debut, and that was great to watch. The Miami Heat, uh, also great to watch. They head into a very busy week, finally bouncing back with a couple of uh, a very important home wins. And we'll get into the Heat situation as well. And, Clay, I know something that's important to you. That's the NFL Combine. Yeehaw! Uh, the Underwear Olympics, how baby! How much? Love it! Give me a ballpark figure of how much of the combine you watched. Minutes, hours, days. So this is, it's hard because I was working while it was on. And so I kind of had it, had it on in the background while it was on. But yeah, I mean, there were, there were a couple of nights when I was at the station and I would say a solid, what, five, six hours. It was, it was on the TV and you know, the way, the way we're set up, it's, you know, you can turn the TVs to turn into where they would face you, and so I, you know, I'd have the Heat game on and then uh, the 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 combine on as well. So, so yeah, and and I I enjoy a lot of it, and and part of it I enjoy is like when you're watching it, I enjoy hearing the the people who who do kind of know their stuff. Mm-hmm. And Daniel Jeremiah, I think, does a really good job at at NFL Network, and and can kind of tell you, okay, this is significant, this is not, and the things that maybe we thought were important or not but with all that said I can't sit there and watch a guy and say oh that guy is is better than than this guy running around in his underwear and and lifting weights and I also you can't believe half of what you hear when it comes to the rumors the speculation well the Dolphins want every single quarterback apparently and my thing Dookie is that I mean don't you watch don't you watch games I mean these 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 scouts and these NFL teams have tons of film and video of these players in games and the old 22 and all these angles and all these looks I mean guy running his underwear very fast is not going to tell me if that's the offensive lineman I want I mean the the guy blocking and dominating people in college and and, and against elite you know, talent and level, that's where I get impressed. And not to say that it's not important, but it always makes me laugh. We're like, oh, this guy's stock is rising. This guy's <laughs> stock is falling. I'm like, did you not watch the last few years of college football? You you know what you got out there. Yeah, most of these guys have played 30 games. They put them on tape. If you know the way NFL teams work, they have regional scouts who go to all of the games, the way that they break down films, the way that they isolate a different player. So if you're looking at an offensive lineman, you've seen him play 500 plays, but you watch him do the bench press and all of a sudden you're like, this guy's strong. It's kind of ridiculous. Well, I'll give you a quick example. Isaiah Isaiah Simmons, right? Yeah, Clemson. A kid from Clemson. I remember watching him in the national title game, and being a Giants fan, I, I Giants desperately need linebackers. They desperately need everything, actually, but they really need linebackers. And I and in the game, I you just watch him play, and it's like, my goodness, he's he's the everywhere. One, yeah, he's, he's the one thing that catches your eye. So the fact that he ran a four three eight really doesn't mean anything to me. He's very fast. The fact that he's making plays all over the field, lined up in every position, that's much more impressive to me than that he ran a four three eight. But what? I think the NFL to their credit has been able to make the season year round by turning the combine into not only an event 
but a television event that will get Clay. Oh, it's been nonstop yeah. since the Super the yeah. Super Bowl's here a few weeks ago. There hasn't been a break in the NFL, and, you and know, free agency's coming, so there won't be a break. And when other team, you know, when other leagues try to go up against the NFL, you know, we saw the what was it, the AAFL or whatever last year fail, yeah. and this year it's the XFL. I think that people just don't un- understand. I guess the dominant interest in nfl football and you know clay's sitting there for six and a half hours and he's not doing it because he's stuck in the building he's doing it because he wants to see the one guy who makes the leap who he goes aha that guy's going to be the key to the saints winning the super bowl and i saw it in in march back in 2020 yeah and, and the nfl gets you that way and they take the diehard fan and they make this event this underwear olympics into a thing where you think that you have to scout your team's guy and it's brilliant marketing because if you actually think about what it is you're watching people do a 40-yard dash i mean i watch a lot of football is there often a football game where it's like you know i don't know who's gonna win this game let's take two players from each team we'll line them up they well, they will run the, 40 yards it's down the, the field. old bum phillips or campbell line where they said he could he couldn't run a mile and conditioning in the preseason he said that's fine i've never seen a football field it's a mile long <laughs> exactly. well and and this is where by the way i think we've learned is as, as time has gone with what i kind of like about this and why i enjoy watching the nfl combine is that it's, it's kind of increased my, my knowledge of the game and what what these guys look for and Dookie, you and I were talking about this actually before before the pod started. That you know we're watching this stuff, and I I don't know more than Chris Greer does. I don't know more than 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 Jeff Ireland. You know, I'm a Saints fan, so obviously I'll, I'll, I'll shade towards you. That. Know we more than Dave Gettleman. I'll give okay, well that's yeah, but that's a different story. Thank you. Um, but we don't know nearly as much as these guys. We can sit here and 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 talk as though we do, and yet we don't, and we can't pretend to. What I enjoy though about this is. And here's a perfect example of it. Uh, Jefferson, the receiver from LSU, who's outstanding. Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson. Yeah, I like him too. He's a nice player. He's great. And and yet you look at the, the tape and, and you watch him in games, and what you knew about him was, man, this guy's a phenomenal route runner, catches everything near him. He's not as explosive as, as Jamar Chase, who was the younger elite wide receiver on that LSU team that you know, Joe Burrow seemed to hit for 80-yard touchdowns every single game. But, man, Jefferson is that slot guy, that possession receiver. And then he goes out there and runs a 4-4-1, I think, or a 4-4-3, whatever it was. And so my understanding is that what the combine does a lot of times is that it can change the perception a bit of, of GMs and scouts that they can look at these guys and, and somebody like Jefferson, who many may have viewed as more of a slot guy, you see him run a four four three, and you're like, wait a minute, we need to go back and look at the tape again and see, okay, are we are we pigeonholing him by saying, all right, he's a great – no, he's, he's an all-around guy. He just, in that LSU scheme, that was not what he was asked to do. It's not that yeah. he can't do it. He yeah, can do my, it very well. That's just not what he was asked to correct do. Correct me if I'm wrong because I thought I heard this this week. Something to do with Michael Irvin said something to the effect of no wide receiver who ever ran under like a 4-4 has ever been in the Hall of Fame. A 4-3, I think. Was, was, was that what he yeah. said? It was something I mean, like that. So that when, we, when I mean, we put a lot of stock into... I mean, who's know. got the all-time combine record? Was it John Ross, right? The, John Ross, yeah. who who Cincinnati ended up for a while trying to change him to a defensive back because he couldn't catch. But, yeah, so, yeah. but yeah, to your point, the 40, by the way, has... 
it's changed a little bit, and the and again, shovels and the cones and it, all that stuff has now become so significant. The ten yard split, yeah. the ten yard split, I think, has become even more important than the forty yard dash. Which is getting for, separation, basically. Yeah, it's getting so well for receivers, yes, but then uh, for offensive linemen in particular, it's you know everybody's going crazy over Makai Becton from Louisville um, and and running the five one at like three hundred sixty four pounds, but his ten yard split was was what I think scouts were looking mm-hmm. like. Man, that's crazy. So. And, uh, you know, again, you kind of look at this at times through the prism of your team, and I'm sorry for all the the listeners right now, but Marcus Colston was somebody for the Saints that he goes to the Combine, and his 40 was not good. It was like 4'8 or something like that, but his 10-yard split was off the charts. And so Peyton was like, Sean Peyton was like, I'm going to draft him seventh round. Everybody thinks he's a tight end. I'm going to make him a receiver because I think we can do something with that initial burst and getting separation and he, off the he line. He became one of the all-time the way, possession guys like yeah. in those those 10-yard routes. And right. I, I will say this too, from a Dolphins perspective, I, I look at it through that, you know, we look at it through our teams and the teams we follow, but we also obviously cover the Dolphins. Nothing changed for me. First of all, the Dolphins have a million picks, so they have a lot of options. And they have, I was joking earlier with the Giants, the Dolphins have a million needs. I mean, they have needs all over the field. Obviously, the biggest need is quarterback. Nothing changed for me in quarterback. Joe Burrow is quarterback 1A. He's likely going to go to the Bengals. I don't think there's any situation where he won't. Certainly, stranger things have happened, but I think that'll happen. I, I think it comes down to this. I mean, if the Dolphins truly want Tua Tungvaloa, which we've talked about forever now, it seems, uh, they're going to probably have to move up. You know, I mean, Tua couldn't work out. Still not there at that point. But all indications are that he is making progress and the medicals are coming back better and better and better and clean and the he'll be able to even prove more later into March and before the draft in April. I, I don't know how much change. You hear all the, this is where the misdirection that you talked about earlier comes in. You know, all of a sudden you start reading reports that Justin Herbert is the guy. And Justin Herbert looked fine in the combine. He looked like what he looked like in his college career. He's a big guy with a strong arm, threw a lot of intermediate passes throughout his career, never really took a lot of shots. Also was a guy that never played under center, which is certainly obviously something you have to get, you have to work with him. I mean, it's, it's a little bit of a different thing for him. He, he's a guy that just, he's athletic, but he's not, a, he's not, a, he's, he's, when you look at what he ran and stuff, he was just an athletic, mobile guy. Then you look at a guy like Jordan Love. Well, all of a sudden, look, woo, this guy's got a bazooka for an arm. Everybody wants to call him the next Patrick Mahomes because he's the guy that's kind of coming out of nowhere that maybe is that guy that elevates himself into the top 10 range. But again, in the end, I still think that if the Dolphins want Tua, if that's really the focus, or if they want Herbert, they're going to go out and get that guy. They've got the ammunition at the fifth pick with the picks that they had the draft available. They'll get their guy, I think. All right, so do you want me to make a good point or make fun of us? Because I, I want to do both. <laughs> Which one would you like me to do first? Yeah. Okay, first I'll make my good point. My good point is that uh, the Dolphins, right? So, so the rumor this week, which I love came how out, you presumptively call. Oh, I think this is a fine. A I think it's a great point, but then I'm going to make fun of us. So, the Dolphins this week, pres- the, the 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 reports were that they're they're two. They were cold to Tua, right? Tua didn't think they were interested. He didn't understand. It was a weird meeting. But if we all think back. When the Dolphins took Charles Harris inexplicably in the first round, they intentionally didn't talk to him because they didn't want to throw other teams onto their scent. So basically, all of these teams are lying. They say they like a guy, they don't like a guy. They say they don't like. Just there's no advantage to them strategically to give more information to other teams. But what I th- the 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 other point I wanted to make, which was kind of funny, is we were all sitting there getting ready to come in here do our podcast like what are we going to talk about oh we're gonna talk about inner miami we're gonna talk about the miami heat and we just did 11 and a half minutes of breaking down 10 yard splits and deep dive i mean we went so into it which is awesome i I love it that's what we i love it 
In, in fairness, <laughs> we we came in with the idea we we're going to talk three things. We didn't know what order we we're going to talk. We're still going to talk into Miami and Heat. Oh no, of course. I just I, think I, just, I felt we like went I, so deep. I, into I, it. I wanted to ask Clay because I knew Clay. This is like something that, like to me, I probably watch. Actually, I didn't watch any combine. I just watched stuff on Twitter that was retweeted. So I saw Becton's uh, forty. I saw Jordan Love's throws. I saw Herbert's. I, I saw uh, Isaiah Simmons run. You know those, but I didn't watch it. You know what I mean? I just sure. happened to see it. So I saw. He's the definitely highlights. our expert. Yeah. So you're. That's why I started <laughs> with you because I know that that's something that you really really truly gauge and watch and and by the way as many people do like you said nfl yeah. is king the nfl yeah. the amount of attention it gets is extraordinary well there's nothing changed for me for the dolphins perspective no I think no that's no, just no. all i was trying to say well and there's a there's a writer that i like a lot nick underhill who brought it he said look <laughs> that maybe i'm going to be wrong on this but the nfl moved this thing to prime time and and you know try to make it a tv show and mm-hmm. uh you know it seems silly and yet here i am watching them the next day come to find out that the ratings were up over 100 yeah, percent year over year and so it worked and so yeah a lot of people do it the, the one thing I'll, I'll say to let's let's bring this back to the dolphins let's go back to your good point david i mean yeah, this is exactly what they did with Charles Harris. Yeah. You're you're not going to be able to. If anything, it made me think they wanted two or more. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I felt the same way. And uh, you know, I, if I, think I remember we need that, to fall, other GMs probably. Yeah, that. yeah. I, and by the I, way, two is going to say all the right things and leak other right things because he wants to be here. He's made it. Sure. I don't think he's hidden it at all that this is where he wants to be. I mean, the the climate, the no. area, the support he's already gotten. I think it's pretty clear two would love to be in Miami. Yeah, but let's. So, but two things here. Number one, in all my years following this, and and the more I watch, I think the the one thing if you want to if you want to glean any knowledge or, or wisdom. It's that we just don't know, and and as much as we'd like to sit here and tell you we do, and we have our likes, and guys, I'll, I'll be you know completely transparent here. I I've loved Joe Burrow from the second I saw that Texas game. I actually liked him last year against US, UCF in the bowl game. Uh, Jordan loves somebody that fascinates me because he's somebody who was outstanding in 2018. I mean, this he was. Uh, he looked like Mahomes, and then this past year he fell off. Well, he lost his head coach. He he lost nine offensive starters and and an offensive coordinator, all that. So I've got my likes. I've got the guys that I'm going to bring to the table that that I'm I'm biased towards. I'm not a big Justin Herbert fan, uh, and yet what this all means is that in in 20 years Justin Herbert's going to be in Canton yeah. and we're going to look back and and Joe Burrow and Jordan Love may be busts and somebody all the hours bust. that I spent somebody watching aren't going to mean anything. Look, I liked I remember going into the draft 2 years ago when the Giants desperately needed a quarterback. They ended up getting Daniel Jones last year. I liked two quarterbacks. I liked Josh Rosen and I liked Lamar Jackson. Yeah. And I knew that probably neither would be selected by the Giants because the Giants had such an early pick. I didn't think they would get them that early. They ended up taking Saquon Barkley, who's a stud, but obviously not a quarterback. Josh Rosen is now bouncing around to potentially maybe his third team at some point in the next couple of years. So I don't think he's got a future in Miami. And and Lamar Jackson's the most valuable player in the league. So I mean, you you pick a side. I will say this: I liked Justin Herbert a few years, a couple of years ago as well, and he ended up not coming out. I thought he was he probably would have been at the top of those three to me, just because I like. Everything about him, his, style, his yeah. size. But in college, he was very, he was very, he was very non-aggressive. He, he was, you know, he took the short passes. He took what the defense gave him. He wasn't the guy who made a lot of big plays, and that's that's what's sexy in the NFL, right? Then you look at Mahomes' tape from when he played at Texas Tech. What was exciting about? It? He's throwing the ball over the field, flinging it sideways, and it's translated to the NFL. Lamar Jackson, the same thing at Louisville, it's translated to the NFL. I will say this though, I, to me, it. 
Tua in Miami just seems like the worst kept secret. Yeah, it, it does. It just seems like everything is lining up. And I think it even goes back that. to last year, right? Remember uh, when Stephen Ross? Yeah, when Stephen Ross sort of indicated that he that he was okay with the Dolphins when they hired Brian Flores not being so great because he has his eye. The sort of the implication was tank for Tua. Well, Rich that, Eisen, that, Rich Eisen said this that this has been ever since Tua threw that touchdown pass his his freshman year in the national championship game. That this is that that Stephen Ross has wanted him since then. I and believe so, that. Yeah, I mean, this is yes, you're I right. I believe it's there's some back. truth to that. And you know yeah. what? If you're if you're in management, right, and you're you're a Dolphins brass, and your owner is fixated on a guy and has wanted that guy for several years. It's not a. By the way, it's not a bad guy to get fixed. But, no, 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 no. I'm not. No, I'm not no. saying it's right talent. or wrong. But if that's the guy, it's not a career advancing move to go against your boss in that particular instance. By the way, you want to make fun of us? I'll make fun of us, and I'll make fun of this whole process because I'm part of it too. We're all sure. part of it. This is what drives me crazy about the draft process. We've named what five, four, five quarterbacks. They might take none we've of them. Named, <laughs> well, no, here's, they probably will. Right, take one of those, okay. and that's the thing. And and when you look around, like we were talking about, I was following on Twitter. You watched the comment. You mentioned some of the insiders that say a lot of names, and they all, you know, you follow the Saints. We follow the Giants. We obviously also follow the Dolphins. They have all these, just these three teams, as an example, have all been connected to about 25 players probably in the first round. I mean, when you really sure. think about it. And one of those players will likely be on those teams, right? Well, And then everybody will see, I see, I told you back in, yes. May, back in March say, at the I combine, I told you Jordan Love could be somebody the Dolphins are looking at when it's like, you know, it, it could end up be just Herbert, it could be Tua, but it, it, everybody's going to always be right. That's what bothers me about combine coverage Well, there's so many names out there. It's kind of like NBA trade rumors when you have people who will list 15 different names that Pat Riley has supposedly liked for the last four yeah. years and then they want to pat on the back when one out of those 15 <laughs> Last year we did it with Christian, Wil- Christian Wilkins. We did Remember, that was like the hot... I think Christian Wilkins was the most uh, pinpointed pick of last year's yeah. draft. Everybody looked, okay, the Dolphins need a tackle. He's in that range. Yep. He's a great player. Yep. He's a great attitude. And we all... He was one of the, like the seven guys we always mention when we do podcasts or stuff. And then they took him. I mean, and... I remember building a graphic with the list of potential picks. And when they took him, I was like, he was on my graphic. It's like, and I was like, really like, proud. As if, as if you were some insider. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Like I had you called some, it. Like, no, I had, I had no insight. Yeah. I just... Basically read Let the other you, list. I feel comfortable that the Miami Dolphins will select one of the players we've mentioned in this podcast. <laughs> I also feel comfortable <laughs> with this. Our sponsor today, Vera Motors. When you spend your hard-earned money on a car, go to a place with a reputation. I promise you there's no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC, Pembroke Pines. The Vera family has been serving South Florida for 60 years. For the best deal in South Florida, the best service, Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC. Vera Cadillac, Buick, GMC, 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium, Pembroke Pines. Let's talk a little Inter-Miami. I want to end on the Heat because the Heat are obviously such a focus. I want to just quickly get into Inter-Miami because there's not much really we could add other than it was exciting to see them get on on the field and play and, you know, the excitement in L.A. And they ended up losing, playing well, you know, lost to last year's big team in the MLS uh, in LAFC. Did you enjoy, what was the MLS experience like for you? This is the first time... Any of us really sit there and watch MLS. Let's be honest, our listeners, we don't watch MLS. I haven't focused on MLS since they had the Fusion, which was back in 2001, since South Florida had it. So since then, I watched minimal MLS. I attended an LAFC game last summer only because I have a friend who works for them. So bottom line is you're talking about three people who are not your core MLS audience. So you watch the game. On Sunday, the debut, what did you think, Clay? What did you think of their style? What did you think of the fact that we have a team in South Florida now? First, I was blown away by the atmosphere at, at LAFC. And, and you had told me 
in advance just how just how incredible it was out there having spent some time out there and just a beautiful stadium the views of the city it just it, you can see why it succeeds there mm-hmm. and and my thought going in was okay I'm going to watch this I'm a little curious why are they succeeding yeah. in a city where you you've also got the galaxy and oh, yeah. and they were the the established team forever and I can see it man that was cool that was a, a cool vibe it was really neat and, I, and I'm telling you if if you're Jorge Mas and you're David Beckham and you're at that game, I'm going around and I'm trying to take notes. They did. On they visited earlier. They visited twice there and met with staff there to learn what they did and to kind of. Well, there gauge. you go. I will say. I'll ask you this as just a fan. Did it entice you to want more? Did it want you to take your family to a game here? Did it? Did it make you think that you could become not just a person who covers it because it's a South Florida pro team, but you would actually enjoy this and be a fan of this team? It depends on if my daughters want to get into soccer. And I'll say this, I, I had my my three-year-old, she was riding her tricycle around the house, and I put the game on. And she stops her tricycle right there in front of the game and a good solid five minutes. Now, for a three-year-old to sit there for five minutes and, and watch yeah. anything, it's pretty remarkable. And she just sat there and watched the ball go back. And then she went off on her merry way. So I'm curious, like I'm intrigued now. And if she's somebody who would get into mm-hmm. soccer, anybody in my family, yeah, I, absolutely. Um, because I'm, I'm watching the, the, the guys doing the chants and all that. Like that could be a really cool atmosphere, something they could, yeah. they could really enjoy. I wonder if it could be recreated so, here, though. Yeah, so I think it's, it's more individual. Like, I didn't watch it and think, oh, I'm going to go out and and spend one of my few date nights out there mm-hmm. because I don't know it's something my wife would really get into and I want to, but if my kids get into it, yes. Number, now, so that's as far as the atmosphere goes. What will draw me in more as as a fan is the sports element of it and and does the team start to perform well and i'll say this what i loved about the team and again i'm i'm not any sort of a guru here i love the attitude yeah, i love the fight hard. i love they the spirit they, the 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 fight on the sideline or the near fight on the sideline like they looked so i'm not i'm not soccer guy like i don't one of the reasons why I don't really get into it that much is like some of the diving and and oh my oh man somebody somebody just hit me on the back of the neck with a club when you yeah. look at the replay like, like I don't get into that and it seemed to me like whenever somebody from LAFC would pull something like that <laughs> like the inner Miami guys were like no 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 we will really hit you and make you fall as though you were really hit hard because we're, we're going to make sure that you feel it so. Like, I like that element of it. I feel like I could get into the spirit and the attitude of this team. So if that stays, then then yeah, I can really get into this. But again, you're asking, some, asking somebody who's not the the X's and O's soccer expert that, that a lot of people in South Florida might be. Yeah, and I think, you know, I guess I asked the question, I only bring up the question not to be condescending as if like, oh, yeah, soccer, it's football, who cares? No, I do care. It's a pro team again, but there is going to be a casual fan base that this team, this organization is going to need to attract. And it was a six plus years of even making here. We could do a whole podcast. We could do a documentary on what it took to get this team on the field. And by the way, for the sake of honesty, I think each of us at one point or many points in the six years has either texted each other, said to each other, commented to each other that we don't think this is going to happen. Yeah. I think we all at some point, I mean, maybe even up until like the last year, and David Beckham himself said that when until Jorge Moss came in, he was already scheduled to have a meeting with Mauricio Claret, Ursula Claret, excuse me, and to talk about, hey, this is not going to happen. This looks like we're going to have to go to the next, whatever the next plan is, it's just not going to come together. Jorge Moss steps in, it ends up happening. 
the end is, and here we are. The, the rest is history. We're, we got a team. Whether it ends up in Miami, we'll see. Although, again, these are all things. But the fact that we have another pro team, I think, is cool. I'm excited about it. I enjoyed Sunday. We'll see how the rest of the season goes. Again, Clay referenced a point. Are they going to be bad? Are they, is this going to be a team that's scrappy and fights but wins, you know, 10 games? Or is this going to be a team that that is actually a good team? They have plenty of moves that they could still make as the summer goes on. Uh, but I, I guess what I'm saying is experience number one, game one, was positive. Yeah, I think that's fair. Look, I think it's to all of our benefits to have more sports in this town. Period. More teams, more to talk about, more, more interest, more entertainment, for more families. fans, more more entertainment options for families. Always a good thing. As a parent, more stuff to do is always better. Um, you know, one of the thoughts that I had during the game, and this is this is a bias that I think I have, and I think every sports fan has. Right? If you haven't heard of someone you assume that they're not good because you haven't heard of them, right? So if there's a baseball player and they come up and you never heard of him, well, he must be bad. I've never heard of him. So I think a lot of people were critical, and this is now from the sports perspective, of the roster that Inter-Miami built because it wasn't a lot of household names. It wasn't a lot of people, you know, because, because David Beckham is the household name associated with this project, people assumed he was going to bring in somebody who had a name that was kind of on par with his and that would get people going in droves Mm -hmm. you know it's david beckham so he's gonna get someone like lionel messi and it's gonna be huge and they didn't they built a team and so as i was watching this team play on sunday and they were playing hard as as clay said it was like a bunch of udonis haslam's out there and as they were you know as they were as they were playing this game i thought to myself you know i don't know most of these guys i don't think most people know these guys but the guy who's responsible for buying the groceries is David Beckham. So if I'm going to if David Beckham's heard of these guys and thinks they're worthy of being on his club, for me to assume that they're not good because I haven't heard of them is for me to assume that I know more soccer than David Beckham, which is a preposterous idea. Now I'm not saying that that you just turn over the keys and say whoever Beckham says is good is good, but I think that. I mean, you kind of did say that, but but, but in but in <laughs> essence, you kind of have to. No, I, you you, you, you kind of have to. I, I for me to, to for me to you know for me to say uh, you know oh, this I, roster stinks because I, I don't know that, any of these. Yeah. I have no idea, and the only sample size I have, they have a good goalie, right? He played. Yeah, Luis he, Robles, Robles played, I mean, played really well. Veteran, yeah. And they had they had a they had some guys who Look, were Robbie Robinson. I'll tell you what, I, he was the kid who was their first round pick. Yeah, he looked like a a, a baby deer running around, kind of lost in the woods. <laughs> but he, you could see where he has skills, yeah, talent. You know yeah. what I mean? The talent. Now, is now I've got lost in the woods from Frozen Two stuck oh in my, my head. Oh my goodness! Now, so sing it! My, sing my, it! My, I'm lost in the woods. Oh my lord! I can see the split screen right I'm just, there. I'm going to write down um, for our. Usually, it's you that derails the pod. How did this happen? How did Clay we get Clay Frozen Two? Listen, I listened to that play, play of that this morning. So we had fun. Welcome to South Florida. Yeah, why not? And look, I know that people are, and I got it on Twitter already and social media. Oh, they're a Fort Lauderdale's team. They'll well, never play a Miami. Look, I don't care about the political I stuff. Don't. I don't and, care and about the business And that's stuff. something that's that, to be determined. Save Mel Reese, all that stuff. That's stuff that people, that it's important to them. I get it. I, I respect the passion of a person that wants to be involved in the community and and, and you know stand up for their, their neighborhoods and stuff. That's great. But as far as having a team here, they're our team. I support them. I hope they do well, and, and it'll be fun to come. And we have to separate. I mean, it, it's not just a political aspect, right? Because there is a future political aspect vis-a-vis can they move from Fort Lauderdale to Miami-Dade County. This is not this week with Michael Putney and Glenna Milberg. That's, no, not, our, no, that's our, not our objective. That's not our purview. It never has but been. That being, and we don't, we don't go there. But that being said... I just think that 
the process, right? Just how long it was, how many fits and starts. Oh, it should all, have failed. It all, should all the, have all, failed. All of the yeah. things that happened. When Sunday started, I, I it took a lot of mental gymnastics for me to go, okay, everything that happened prior to today, there's a team. It's a new Miami team. You like Miami teams? Let's see what this Miami team is. Take everything else Take take the the celebrations at the Arch Center and the 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 pronouncements and Don Garber promises this and all of the just craziness that has surrounded this story, which has been going on forever and ever. Oh, there's and ever. been more news conferences I, than goals right. so far. So obviously this <laughs> and be, so and it'll probably and be just, that way for a and while. And just say whatever that is. Let's just evaluate the 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 sport of this team for the sport of this team. So far, they played one game. They play another game next week. I'll probably keep my eye on it. That's yeah, where I'm at. We, we, I'm going to keep my eye on it. No, see, and see I, if I, hopefully, I enjoy Clay it. mentioned his daughters. I'm going to take my girls to a game, and I support a team, and I'll wear the, the shirt that says Miami with pride. It's a, it says Miami. It's, it's our South Florida. And people get, oh, well, it's really Fort Lauderdale. Hey, I love Fort Lauderdale, too. I don't well, do the, highlights. This is, but this is what's weird to me, and and not to cut you off, but I was just thinking this. Like, if, you're, if you live in Broward... Do, do, are you less of a Heat fan than somebody no, in Dade some if you most, love NBA basketball? Are you kidding me? I talk, some of the most passionate Heat fans I talk to are living in Broward and some in Palm Beach that come to games. If you're a fan of your team, you're a fan. It doesn't slow I you really down. I really do prefer Broward sports as a Cooper City resident. Because we live there. Yeah, right. Yeah, but, but that's yeah, why. I, 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 I do li- I like the Heat, but I don't love it because the Panthers are more <laughs> but, but Broward's that's, that's team. That's what I was going to say. It's like, it's I don't silly. think it's if you're silly. an NHL yeah, fan no, and you live in Dade County, you're going to – and you have enough – Everybody's That's why about the I always proximity. use South Florida. The term yeah. South, the term, the blanket term right. South Florida. What drives me crazy is people talk about it. proximity to them, right? Like I live in Dade County, but my <laughs> work is in Broward, so I Channel Ten is in Pembroke Park, you know, right. in Hollandale, and 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 our Fox Studios for the Heat stuff is in Los Olas. You hear? I mean, I'm a Miami Dade resident, but I love Broward and I love the years. Just the same thing as your teams. Like I always, the people that talk about their community and where it is, it's only because they want it to be more convenient to them. Yeah, sure. I would love for Inter Miami to be playing a mile from my from my home, so I can go catch games on the yeah. weekends without having to drive 35, 45 minutes that way. But it's not going to stop me. I'm a sports fan and wants to cheer. So all that stuff. Again, we leave that to on this week in South Florida with. Uh, Michael Putney and Glenn Miller. Please podcast. watch it, by the way. And they have a podcast they now. Do, it's they really, do really good. They job. do a great job. Uh, let's finish with the Heat. We don't really need to spend too much time on the Heat now because they're not important. Obviously, they are. But they've got a big game Monday night. And by the time you listen to this, they already probably played that game against Milwaukee. And what a game it was. Can you and believe what, what happened? You meant, now, the way they Giannis, stuffed Giannis man. at the end and won the game. Well, at least I'm trying to hopefully. But we do know what did happen over the weekend. And it's the Heat got back on track. And it, it, it was so important for them to get those two wins. Now, Without knowing what happens Monday or in the rest of the week, and for those that listen later in the week, what happened over the weekend was important because they got wins. That's as simple as that. They won, and you don't apologize for a win, and you move on. I will say this, though. We certainly didn't see a huge change defensively for Miami. What we saw was, I think, what we've talked about the whole season. When Miami is clicking offensively and hitting threes and moving the ball and sharing and limiting turnovers, they win much more often than they lose. When the Heat are stagnant offensively and missing shots because their defense has struggled so much, they lose. And why did they lose and have they lost some games to bad teams in the last month or so? Because there have been ruts in the offense. You asked me off-air, Dookie, I'm sorry, you said, hey, because you went to the game on Saturday night, and you said, "What man, that run by the end by Brooklyn, really, man, the defense was bad. I said, I, I didn't think it was bad. I thought it was the same defense that you had been seeing. The problem was... Jimmy missed a, a, a jumper, then missed a layup, 
there was a bad possession where they didn't get a good shot off. I mean, mm-hmm. so this all happened in the span of three or four possessions. Then in those three or four possessions, the Nets in turn were having good offensive possessions as they had for much of the second half. It's not like they were bad. It's just when you're missing shots, that's the way you make up a run. So if, when you're up 10, right? If you're up 10 or 12 with five minutes left, what was the game, uh, the the Cleveland game? They mm-hmm. were up, was it 12? I think, 12 with, with four, four minutes left. left. Yeah. If the Heat make shots down the stretch, it doesn't matter how many shots the Cavs make. Just on simple math alone, the Cavs aren't catching up. But what happened? The Heat stopped making shots. Cavs kept making shots. And do the math, the Cavs caught up and ended up winning. So while I am concerned with the defense, I didn't see anything this weekend that made me think this defense is getting fixed. Until they get Myers Leonard to have a little bit more of a presence back, which may not be for another week or two, maybe more, this defense is going to struggle. But when they play well offensively, they're about as, as as good as anybody in the league outside of the one, you know, top two or three teams. They're about as good as anyone in the league in sharing and movement and in shooting threes. They're going to win most of the games they play. I felt I think I was a little bit more optimistic than than you uh, for this reason. Number one, Dallas is the best offensive team in the league. Their their offensive rating is is number one in the NBA. And so watching that game, I was like, okay. I can understand why this is happening. And yes, Doncic was playing with the injured thumb, and yet, come on, man. I mean, Seth Curry couldn't miss. Christoph Porzingis. points, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Porzingis was knocking down shots from, from 30 feet away. And, and so I felt like watching that game was like, you know, I, I feel like it, this was an important one. The one on Friday night to me was the most important of the, of the two wins because you're playing against a better a team. Very really good, good team, yeah. Yeah, against a really good team that needed that game. And and so I, I was really encouraged by that. And the Brooklyn game, it was one where the, the the thing that keeps popping up that's a bit of a concern is that the Heat have a few players on defense that can be targeted. And whether it's Dragic or, or Duncan Robinson, and you get in these situations where when the other team starts to go on a run, to your point, if you don't score, they can come down the floor and attack that player. Well, against Dallas, they played more zone like they had been doing earlier in the year, to cover for some of that stuff. And it worked. Yeah. With, I think Rick Carlisle actually told you after the game that um, he felt as though Spo outcoached him. And they didn't. He said that, yeah, they didn't adjust well with the zone. Right. Yeah. And so then the Brooklyn game comes, and you see Spencer Dinwiddie's ever able to go right at Dragic and, and get whatever he wanted in the fourth quarter until he decided to throw that ball into space <laughs> on the last play of the game. Thank so <laughs> I, I, I felt like there was incremental progress, and I feel like it's going to be better – once Tyler Hero and Myers Leonard are back, yeah, because you're you're right about Myers Leonard in you know being the quarterback of the defense and kind of calling out the the switches and things like that. But your point about offense and Tyler Hero and Barry Jackson did this article when it, it kind of it blew me away. I knew, and we had talked about this that fourth quarter Tyler Hero is different. Tyler He's just time, had yeah. to, the numbers are astounding. The heat on off ratio with with Tyler Hero on the floor in the fourth quarter is just astounding. They miss him a lot, they a do. lot more than they I do. thought. So yeah. it's not even if you have guys who are are not the best defenders in the world, you get a guy out there like Tyler Hero who fourth quarter he is uh, he's got uh, ice water in his veins. He's able to knock down that mm-hmm. shot and stop the run. They've been missing that, and so I just I feel like. When you're starting to get these guys a little bit more used to the defensive system, the schemes, your Iguodala's, your Jay Crowder's, and they start getting a little more comfortable, then you add in a hero. And then you hopefully add in a Myers Leonard. And I just, I feel like I I can kind of start to see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's just that 
on Monday night that that light at the end of the tunnel is going to be yeah, the oncoming Giannis, train that is Giannis. Train. Giannis, Giannis. You know, honestly, Duke, my my thing with the Heat is get the four seed. As much as I'd love the dream that yeah. they're only what three, I think back in the loss, three or four back in the loss column of the two seed, but it's unlikely they're going to catch the the Celtics or the Raptors. Yeah, possible twenty two games is possible, but I'm, I don't think they will. Get the four seed, get healthy, and I like the Heat's chances in the playoffs to win a series and to contest in a second series to have a shot to win a second series. I would just like to see this team together playing good basketball, Mm -hmm. playing the way that they're supposed to. Because what Clay was talking about, what you were talking about, with the two guys who are out, is the deficiencies that you're seeing are the specific functions that they serve, right? right? So, Will, you're you're literally talking about their inability to get a bucket in the fourth quarter, which is what Tyler Hero is, right? And on defense, so much of defense is just talking. Right, you well, don't even have to be playing. So it's it's communicate and and a good NBA defense, a good college defense. You hear a lot of chatter on the court. You get this guy. You go over there. I got ball. I got man. Switch. The Heat aren't talking as much because the dude with that big booming voice is sitting there in green suits on the sideline. So when they come together, if Hero can get back before the end of the regular season, if Myers Leonard can get back, the areas where they're struggling, I think those guys fill those needs. So I think that their absence in a strange way when you're looking long term lets you go, man, I don't I didn't realize until a month ago how freaking valuable Myers Leonard was to the Heat's defense. They're a mess without him. And I didn't realize how stagnant the Heat's offense was in the fourth quarter without Tyler Hero. Thank goodness long term they have those guys. Play the music real quick. Let's play it. Play it. You made a good point. We got to end on that because you make a good point. We got to end on it. I can't. I can't allow you. You to mean be the world like is the apocalypse yes, coming now? Because I can't possibly let you derail it after that good point. Thanks for listening. I'm lost in the-